If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians. And we're going to start with Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to be everywhere today. So those people that have uh, the Calvary churches would not like my preaching today because they like going word for word. And I'm going to be all over the word. Okay. But I want to preach about, I want to preach about fathers. And I'm often reminded of uh, Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to look at starting with verse 2. Uh, she'll bring that up in a minute. Okay. But uh, I, I'm reminded of, of Joseph, uh, Jesus' father on earth, how that God, I preached on that last Father's Day, if you remember, that how God looked over the, through the word, world, and he said Mary would make a good mother and Joseph would make a good father. Can you imagine the responsibility as a father, to raise God? <laughs> My goodness. But can you imagine how much faith that God had in Joseph? Can you imagine that? You, you know, we, we look at Mary, but the angel came to talk to Mary. And, and, the, and, and the angel came in person to talk to Mary. But God talked to Joseph through his spirit. And Joseph followed God. And God said, I chose you to raise my son. Whoa, that would be a pretty, <laughs> that would be a difficult thing. So <clears throat> I want to talk about something. I was in the, I was in, you know, I tell you, God talks to me a lot when I'm getting cleaned up, right? And so I, he does really. Christine's just smiling. Okay. But, but I'm standing in my bathroom and, I, and I'm ready to walk out of there. And God says, turn off the light. So I turned off the light. Total darkness in that bathroom. Total. You can see nothing. He said, now you're the light of the world. I said, yes, I am, Lord. He said, turn a light on. I turn a light on. Guess what? There was no darkness. Turn a light off. I turn a light off. Total darkness. He said, now turn it on. I turned it on and darkness left. There wasn't a speck of darkness in there. Okay. And he said, you are the light of the world. So when we say our city is in darkness, it can't be in darkness if we're there. Because we're the light of the world. So I take Nancy in and I said, Nancy, I want to show you something. I said, this is really simple. And she came in there. I said, now, we're standing there. And I said, I'm going to turn off the light. And I turned off the light. I said, it's totally dark. She said, yeah. I said, watch this. And I turned to flip the, the, flip the switch and the light came on. She's going, uh, Yeah. I mean, that's a no-brainer, you know, looking at me. And I said, but this is what the Lord said. Watch this. He says, I turned it off. You're living in a dark world. But he said, flip the switch. And I did. He said, now you're the light of the world. So that light that radiates from us, there cannot be no darkness. And it's the interesting thing about darkness is that men are drawn to light. And the closer that we get, the brighter the light gets. Isn't that right? So if we are in a place that's dark, that's not God's fault because we're the light of the world. So can we ever walk in darkness? We can't walk in darkness. And why can we not walk in darkness? Because Jesus is the light of the world and Jesus is in us. Now, if we're walking in darkness, that's because we choose not to let the light of the world shine. Somebody, I, I can't remember if it was John or, or if it was Tony or somebody, they say, well, you can flip that switch. And I thought, yeah, you can. But we are the light of the world. I thought I'd just give you that tidbit because in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 2, I'm going to read this to you. And that's amazing. I got Philippians. And I thought, well, that don't look right. Okay. Let's go over to Ephesians 6.2. You want to bring it up, Deb? Okay. Now, look what it says. It says, honor thy father and mother. Hey, bring up, can you bring up 6-1? Can you do that real quick? I, I, should, I said 6-2 because that's one, but I want 6-1 too. Can you do that? And if you can't, that's fine. Okay, what, look what it says. 
Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now verse 2, watch this. I'm, I'm hanging by my fingernails. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Now look at that. Now it's saying, listen what it says here. It says, and for some reason this turned back to Ephesians chapter, I mean Philippians chapter 2. Thank you. Did you see that blow? Wow. He must want me to speak out of Philippians. I don't know. All right. But, but here's what's interesting. It says, honor your father and mother. That's the first commandment with promise that you may live long and prosperous. Then it may be well with you. See, because we, we don't understand. We, we, in, in our society, we do not understand the importance of father. We don't understand that importance. And the devil, through secularism and humanism, has literally removed the father out of the home. And if you want to see some, get, get, get on your computer and go over to the Department of Education, the, the government's Department of Education, and look at the statistics with that, with, without, with, with families that have no father in the home. Number, number one is that they most time live in poverty. And, and, and it's an amazing thing when there's no father in the home what happens to girls. It seems like it happens to girls. There's, there's more things that happen to girls that, than hap, happen to the boys. But it's an amazing thing that girls will go into puberty faster if, if they don't have a father than they will if they have a father. That's mind-boggling. Uh, the, the students, a lot of girls never finish high school that don't have a father. And, and in, the percentage was so high, like 80% of them will get pregnant in middle school or the early stages of high school before they get out of school. And then boys turn to gangs. It's an amazing thing because a gang accepts them. They get into all kinds of crimes. It's an amazing thing when you look at what the Department of Education says about a, a, a home without a father in it. The, the things that, that, that take place, it's amazing. <clears throat> Jesus knew that a long time ago. God knew that a long time ago when he created this. So, so, so what is the primary uh, thing that, that the devil wants to do? Remove the father. And so then, now we have father at home, but he's not at home because he's an absentee father. It's an amazing thing. We just found out that we're going to be the parents, a grandparent, great-grandparents again, uh, of uh, one of our, our uh, uh, granddaughters is, is going to have a baby. Here, here, listen to me, listen to me. We have children, but we don't plan today for families. Does that make sense to anybody? It's an interesting thing. Now, <clears throat> here's another thing that, that's an amazing to me. That in the, in the fourth verse, and are you going to bring up the fourth verse? Okay, watch this. This is interesting to me, and I might be saying something that's not even right. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That word admonition means to admonish. Because fathers should be doing the discipline and the correction. It's an interesting thing that, that when you look at this, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. You, you know what's amazing? Is that we, many times, we're looking at that, and we're saying, <clears throat> we're, we're looking at overbearing fathers, and that's the way that we've always preached that. <clears throat> you know what fathers provoke their children to wrath? Fathers that aren't there. Fathers that aren't there have provoked their children to wrath. That's an amazing thing. Fathers that aren't there. Now, why do you say that? Because, listen, the mother is the one who nurtures the children. That's got what God made her. Now, now take this in, in, in try to take this the way I'm going to say it, is that there's three in heaven, the, fa 
the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they're male gender. How many of you understand that? But, but Holy Spirit is sensitive like a mother would be. Now, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is feminine. I'm saying that the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit is like that you would see from a mother. That's why Jesus, when, when he's looking and, and looking over Jerusalem, and he's saying, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that stoneth the prophets and kill them. He said, How often would I have gathered you under my wings as a hen gathers her chicks? That's the sensitivity of, of the Holy Spirit. And so Mama, she, she has that sensitivity to, to nurture children and, and to raise them up. It, it, I'm not saying that they can't get mean. How many of you children know that mamas can get mean? How many of you? My mama could get real mean. Yeah, I, I really like Nancy's mom because she wasn't mean. My mom could get really, really mean. How many of you was drugged, you know, when you was a kid? You was drugged to church. Okay, you know, but, but, but that's mama, but not dad. Now, now listen what dad is. Dad is the disciplinarian. Dad is the trainer. Dad is the one that says, hey, look, I'm going to teach you how to do this. I'm going to teach you how to live. I'm going to teach you what to do. Hey, what, what happens when you take that guy out and now those children are with a mother who is sensitive and, 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 and is the nurturer, but now they don't have the admonishment. They, they don't have the correction. They don't have what they need in their life. It produces anger. And if we have ever lived in an angry world, we live in an angry world. And you might as well give me an amen to that because it's true. We live in an angry world. And it says, fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. Train them in the Lord. Fathers, train them in the Lord. How do you train your children? You're either going to train your children positive or negative, but you're going to train your children one way or the other. Either you're going to bring them up in Christ or you're going to bring them up in the world. That's the way that is. You're going to, you, there's no in-between here. If you steal, it's a good idea your children are going to steal. Nancy and I knew a family, and that family's all torn apart right now, and, and we knew a family, listen to this, that all five, mama and dad, and the three sons, were all in five different prisons at one time. Am I telling it right? At one time. All five of them were in five different prisons and said this, said that at three o'clock in the morning, they broke down the doors and pulled them out of the house. Pulled them out of the house naked. Man said they didn't even give them time to put their clothes on. Then all kinds of terrible things happened. Hey, hey, listen, if you steal, you got a good idea your children are going to steal. Because that's training them. Do you steal? You don't want your children. I, this is a real good one. Now, now, come on, people. You're looking at me like I'm, I'm preaching something horrible to you. I, I'm, I'm going to try to bring this thing up right in a minute. Either you're going to bring them up in Christ or you're going to bring them up in the world. Hey, you know what? Is, isn't it amazing that 90% of all child abusers were abused themselves? It, it, you, don't, you don't find that amazing. I find that amazing. It seemed to me like if, if, if you was abused as a child, that you wouldn't want to do that. But yet they do. It, a, man, a man gets drunk on alcohol and doesn't want his kids to do that. Really? That's an amazing thing. My father-in-law used to make home brew. And... and uh, after I married Nancy, he puts a bathroom in there. Up before then, they had an outhouse. How many of you had outhouses? Come on, Dennis. We know that trip at night, don't we? We didn't take it, did we? I was always looking for snakes. Whew. Spiders. I still hate them today. But, but Nancy, I, I grew up with outhouse. Nancy grew up with the outhouse. Then we get married, and her dad then puts in a bathroom. Yeah, that's not right, is it? But he puts in this bathroom, and then on the weekends, he'd make homebrew in the bathtub. And him, and, what was that? Oh, that's Harold up there saying amen, kicking something. Okay, so, so him and his two son-in-laws, not me, 
they would drink the home brew until the bathtub was completely empty. He said, you, you drink, but you don't want your children to drink. Okay? You, you do drugs, you smoke marijuana right in front of them, but you don't want your kids to do it. Listen, your kids are going to be like you trained them to be. You, you tell them no. I, Kim and I walked in the house. She was like seven or eight. And she threw her, her coat on the floor. And I said, well, pick your coat up. She said, well, pick yours up. I thought, yeah, that's right. She said, pick your, I said, pick your coat up. She said, well, pick yours up. That's what that's supposed to be. If I want her to pick that up. Yeah. Hey, just pay attention with me now for a while. I know I'm picking on some of us. Because God's made a way that we can change. Somebody say amen to that. See, your, your children are going to be like you. And, and so there's a lot of baggage that I had growing up because I got baggage from mom, got baggage from dad, then I got my own. How many of you understand that? Got baggage from dad, got baggage from mom, then I got my own. Right? And then some of us are all the time trying to please parents who can't be pleased. And they can't be pleased because there's so much dysfunction. And, and some of us have grown up in dysfunction. Certainly I was one of those victims that, that grew up in dysfunction. I'll be honest with you. I, I, Lon, my brother and I, we sit down and we talk all the time. How do we turn out the way we turned out because of the way that we was raised. Now, my dad was a preacher, but we were still raised in dysfunction. You say, well, you, you can't live with a, a, a minister and be dysfunctional. Yes, you can. And the reason for that was because I had a dad that was home, but he was absentee. And when I say absentee, <clears throat> he was there, but he really didn't train in the way I needed to be trained. My, actually, the training that I got that helped me more in my adulthood was Nancy's dad. Because Nancy's dad then trained me in a lot of things, and, and uh, he helped me in a lot of things to learn some things that I needed to know. So God, God is going to, listen to me, don't, don't fear, because God's going to put people in your life that are going to help train you. God put four women in my life, older women in my life, that trained me where my mother couldn't train me because she did, hadn't been trained herself. So I, I'm one of those people that grew up in dysfunction, but God wasn't going to leave me in dysfunction. Praise the name of the Lord, because God's going to bring people into my life that's going to get me out of that, okay? And so, so I, I praise the Lord for that. But listen, you, you can have a Christian home and be dysfunctional. And, and, and you might be in that. I don't know. But listen to me. Your children are going to be like you trained them. And you might be feeling all kinds of guilt, but you don't have to stay there. You can give that to God and start all over again. That's the best thing about God. Okay? So then he says, the Lord teaches us in the book of Proverbs that we are to bring our children up in the way that they should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from that. That means, Dad, listen to me, you got to admonish your children. You got to do that. Dad, you got to be dad. This is Father's Day today, and you have to be dad. You, you know, I asked my kids, was I a good father? Of course, they said yes. But, okay, here we go. Was I a good father? Yes, but. I'm like Jeff, Jeff Allen, the, the Christian comedian. He says, I know, he says, when my kids all get older, he says that we're going to have to go to group therapy because we're all uh, dysfunctional. And he said, and I know they're going to blame it all on me. He said, when they do, I'm just going to go, oops. Was I a good father, but? Okay, what's the but? Well, you're strict. And I was probably over strict. I was a strict parent. But here, here was my philosophy. I'd rather be strict and see my kids the right way than not strict and see them go the wrong way. And I didn't, but, but sometimes we can be too strict with our admonishment because, listen, with admonishment, you also need to show love. And men, for some reason, have a difficult time to show love, and yet men need to do that. Listen, my dad didn't tell me that he loved me till he, a few hours before he passed away. And then I could barely hear him. But my dad, through all the time that I was growing up, I can never, ever 
know where he embraced me and told me that he loved me or put me on his knee. I think a time or two my mother might have said that, might have said that, but I don't remember those things. You have to have people reinforcing in your life that you are loved. How many of you understand that? You need to let your children know they are loved. And if you don't do that, and all you are is strict, then your kids are going to be exasperated, and they're going to wind up angry. So if you're not there, they're going to wind up angry. And if you are there, you need to be godly and show them the right way to live. Somebody give me a witness on that. You know, people, I don't want to see the hands of this right now, but how many of us grew up hating church? Don't put your hands up. I am. I hated church. And the reason why I hated church was because people were mean. You, you go to, we, we was raised in a holiness church. Lord have mercy. We was holy. I'm going to tell you, there was nothing holy about us. We were just mean. And if you got out of that way in that little box of holiness, guess what? You're just going to hell. So you get saved every night. It was an awful thing. Yo-yo, up and back and forth. But fathers, fathers need to train their children and also love their children. Train them. Now, look what he says. He says this. He says, he says, he says, train your children, admonish your children, and love your children in Christ as Christ loved you. That's an amazing thing. This is my paraphrase, okay? It's an amazing thing. Because understand what Christ did for you when he died on the cross. Now, now it's an amazing thing what the Father, what Father God did for us. And how he's going to give us a groom, and we're the bridegroom, how this marriage relationship's going to come together. And it's going to come together and it's going to be perfect. You know why? Because God is a perfect father. Isn't that amazing? He's a perfect father. Perfect father. He says yes and he says no. And when he says yes, he means yes. And when he says no, he means no. That's what he means. I watch all the time, I watch all the time in stores where kids want something and parents will say no and they'll put up a fuss and they'll get it. And, and, and you know, really, shut up. How many of you ever got on an airplane and there's that kid just putting up a fit and no one shuts him up? And then all you want to do is go back here and take that kid. Boom! I can shut him up for you. Christian school that we had before we had this one was a large Christian school and, and I pulled up behind this car and there was a grandmother who had her, her, her grandson, and she, the grandson was living with this granddaughter, I mean with, with this grandmother, and he was about 14 at the time, and, and uh, at that time I was 35, I didn't have the big belly, but I had a little bit of strength about me, okay, and, and uh, I, 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 I liked being who I was at the age of 35, and I, I watched that for a while, and they was fighting back and forth. And so I went up to the window and, and I said, you having problems? And she said, yeah. She said, uh, I can't get him to go to school. I said, well, then get out of here. And she said, but I don't want to get out of here. I said, well, then tell him to go to school. She said, he won't get out of the car. And I said, can I take over? And she said, yeah. I said, good. I walked over there and opened up that door and grabbed that kid by his collar and ripped him out of that car and put him over my shoulder and walked up those steps into my office and I threw him on the couch. And I said, you get up, I'm going to take that board and smack you three times. Well, he sat right there. And I said, now we're not going to have this problem no more, are we? And he said, no. You come to school every day after that. You just got to be who you are. And, I and the kid turned out to love me. Really, he really did. You know, Because I, I also do this. As, as an administrator and as a principal. If I have to get on a kid that day and really admonish him, I don't let that day go without doing something nice for that kid. But I don't let that kid know that I'm doing it. Because then he'd start using it as a game. I don't do that. If I have to get all over a kid before that day's over, I'll go up and do something nice with that kid. And you know what? It just balances it out. Now, now I, watch this. Now, I, I'm trying to get to a point. If you, now, now, I'm going to go over and I'm going to do something here, and, and I'm changing everything that I'm going to do. If you love your children, and you are a, what you call a good father, and you don't treat your spouse right, 
then you're going to have dysfunction in your home. Shake your head on that one. Because I'm not going to get an amen today. So shake your head. You know, weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Remember that one, or bobbleheads? Let's do that. Okay. If you don't love your wife, men, like Christ wants you to love your wife, you're going to have difficulty with your children. You are going to. I had difficulty growing up with women. And the reason why I have difficulty growing up with women is because my mom never treated my dad right. Does that make sense to anybody? And my dad allowed her to do that. Because my dad did not like getting angry. And I understand that, okay? So we had that problem in our home. And so my mother was extremely... My mother today would probably be put in jail for abuse on some things that she did. I'm just being transparent with you. They're both gone now. They're in heaven saying, preach it. And there they are. They're saying, preach it, because it needs to be preached. And so the thing of it was, I, I really did not know how to treat women right because I was never trained to treat women right. Does that make sense to anybody? You know, I had to be trained And so then these four women come into my life. When one died, God got me another one. And they were older women who were seasoned in the Lord. And they were precious to my soul. And what they started was to teach me how to be a man. Because I needed to learn how to be a man. I never had that teaching. Because that was what my father should have done for me. And my father didn't do that for me. So I didn't know how to love my wife. Period. Just being transparent with you. Okay, listen to me. You love your spouse and you treat her right, you'll love your children and raise them right. I know that's, that's going to be hard for you, especially your male children. Admonishment means to correct, to correct them. I had a little girl in our school. I'm watching the time. I had a little girl in our school, and she was cute. She was mean. She had devil in her. She she pushed a kid off the stage on purpose and broke his arm. This girl tried to push some kids down the steps. That girl had a demon in her. So I brought that to the attention of the parents. And and it wasn't my school. It was your school where that happened. She's going, yeah, I know that kid. That girl had a demon in her, didn't she? So I brought it to the attention of the parents. You know that mother told me, boy, she's so cute. I can't do anything to her. I thought, that little cute girl's the ugliest thing i ever seen in my life. Just pure mean. And all it took was, boom! And that girl grew up and she had such a horrible, horrible life. I hope that she's still alive. Okay, I hope she sees this message this morning. You have to have correction. You have to admonish your children and you have to correct them in Christ. Hey, listen, don't be afraid to be different. Don't, don't be afraid to be different. Don't be afraid to say no when you need to say no. Don't be afraid to say yes when you need to say yes. You don't need to say no all the time. How many of you like men around a yes man? Uh-uh. But how many of you like men around a no man? Uh-uh. You know, a yes man is one that agrees with you all the time and really doesn't agree with you at all. And a no man is one that's just grumbler all the time and can't be contented. Say yes when you need to say yes. Say no when you need to say no. My granddaughter Petra, I love Petra. My granddaughter Petra was three years old, maybe maybe about two. And Petra, honorary oh, boy, I, I never forget it. She in the old church, she she took that 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 rope that was on the belfry, and she stepped stepped on the steps and grabbed that rope and was swinging on that rope. Man, I grabbed her. I thought, dear Lord, she's gonna pull that bell down through. That bell was in the belfry. That bell hadn't been rang for so many years in that old church. And she's a hold of that rope, and she's just a swinging like, boy, I grabbed that girl. But, but one day, you know, she, was just, she, she just was mean. And, and so I, I set her on the couch, and I said, don't you get down. And, and, and she went, and, and, and my son said, here's what my son said to me. He said, Dad, you can't correct that girl. She just don't listen. And, I, and I, so I sat her on the couch, and I said, Petra, you get down off that couch, and Grandpa going to give you spanking. And she went slide down. I said, I'm telling you, you get down off that couch, and I'm going to give you spanking. 
So she slid back up on that couch and she went to sleep. And my son goes, wow. Now how did you do that? I said, well, because she knew I was going to spank her. I said, you tell her you're going to spank her and you don't fall through with it. He said, things are changing in our house. That's what he said. Yeah. See, see, children want you to admonish them and correct them because that's what God does. Now listen, children want a father. You want to be a good father, be a good husband. This is the interesting thing. People don't get married no more. They don't get married no more. They can't afford it. Now, now, now I, I never, never saw this before. And, and, and don't get angry with me because I believe in marriage. I believe that marriage is between a husband and a wife and it needs to be. Okay? And, and so, so if you're going to be a good father, you've got to be a good husband. Okay? But people say, well, they can't get married no more. Because they can't afford it. Well, you know, then you say, well, don't you live together? Don't you do this? Don't you have children and all this? Yeah. Well, see, one guy told me, well, he's explained it this way. And I didn't know it. He said, he said, but you don't understand. They can't afford it. And I said, well, they can't. He said, no, they get their welfare taken away from them. I said, well, they can't afford it. They might have to go to work. Boy, that's a no-no. Don't get mad at me. Some of you are going to walk out of here and not see me no more. You, you thought I was going to do hurrah, hurrah, okay. But, but, but they, 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 they say, well, we can't afford it. Well, they can't. They get their welfare taken away. Well, let me tell you something, Dad. Hey, Dad, don't be on welfare. Thank you. Who said that? Let, let me try it again. Hey, Dad, don't be on welfare. Okay. Okay, listen, listen, if you're on welfare and you need it, keep it, but get a job. The Old Testament and the New Testament says you should not eat if you don't have a job. The Old Testament says you should starve to death. We're not going to let you starve to death. The New Testament, Paul says the same thing. He said, if you don't work, don't eat. So get a job. Listen to me, I, I'm going to tell you something. And, and I know that some of you, I can look at your face, you're ready to walk out on me. I don't care, really, I don't, because I'm hoping this will get through to you. But listen to me, I would go to McDonald's and flip hamburgers before I take welfare. I'm 73 years old, but I will go to McDonald's and flip hamburgers before I will take welfare. I've never taken welfare, and I could have taken it many, many times. I'm not going to. My dad didn't do it. His dad didn't do it. And why was that? Because we worked. And we always work. And that's what you got to do. Listen to me. If you're on welfare, use it because you need it. But have a goal in mind, and that is to get a job. Hello out there in TV land. Get a job. Mr. Biden. Open up jobs. Maybe you ought to open up them coal mines again. Maybe you ought to open up the petroleum places again. Oh, I, let, me, let me get back to the message. So husbands, you want to be a good father? Be a good husband. In, in uh, Ephesians 5, verse 1, she's going to bring it up. Watch this. Husbands, look at this. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. I like the King James. It says, be imitators of God. Who? Us. Listen to what God says to Moses. He says, Moses, to Aaron, you're going to be God. That's what he said. He said, Moses, listen to me. He said, to the Israelites, you're going to be God. He didn't say it like a God. He said, you're going to be God. I'm going to speak to you, and you're going to be God to them. Hey, Dad, listen to me. What happens if you decide to be God in your home? I'm not talking about eternal Father, eternal God. I'm talking about how about being holy and Godlike in your home. Hey, guess what God's going to do? God's going to say yes when he says yes, and he's going to say no when he says no. And he's going to mean it. Listen to me. Ephesians chapter 5. Be imitators of God as dear children. Number 2. She's going to bring up verse 2. Watch this. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and hath given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for our sweet smelling savor. Okay. I like this. See, he says, walk in love. 
as Christ also loved us. Why? As an offering, as a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. That's interesting. Galatians 6-7 says this. If she wants to put it up, she can. But be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. Oh, you don't have to be... You don't have to be a godly father. That's okay. But let me tell you what you're going to reap. You're going to reap corruption. You don't have to be in the home. But you know what? You're going to reap dysfunction. You can be an absentee father and be in the home and just shut up and never say anything. You'll raise dysfunction. There'll be corruption in your home. You've got to watch your mouth too, by the way. got to watch your mouth. You know something, there's a word that should not be in any marriage relationship, and that's the word divorce. That should not be in your relationship. That is one of the most damnable words that we have is divorce. No, you did not get married to get divorced. You got married to somebody so that you could become one with them. Paul says, don't you know if you sleep with a prostitute, you become one with her? Shoot, in in, in in years gone by, in, in the ancient Hebrew days, they didn't have marriages like we have marriage today. What happened was the guy took her into his tent and they become one. Simple as that. And they didn't break that law. That's the way that was. Where, where did the, the fun came in when they had the marriage supper? That was the, the fun part of it, the marriage supper. But listen to me, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Hey, listen, you don't want to be a today dad. These dads that we have today, we don't have no daddies today. And you know what, dad? I, I wish the dad would raise up and say, no, you're not going to kill my kid. You know why we get to kill our kids? Because there's no dad there to stop and say, we're not killing our kids. You think about that. If you have a good dad's going to say, no, 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 no. Step in this bathroom with me. I'm going to show you dark and I'm going to show you light. And God is light. Come on, I'm going to show you the difference between darkness. I'm going to show you the difference between light. And as far as I'm concerned, I'll be like Joshua. where We're going to live in the light of God in this home. And let me tell you what the light of God in the home is, is abiding by the word of God itself. It's what it says. I still got a little bit of time. In Ephesians chapter 5, bring it up for me, verse 25. I like this. This is Father's Day. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Bring up 26, if you would. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Hey, listen to me. You want good children? You want fathers to be fathers? Then be a great husband. Because it says, husbands, love your wives. Oh, I forgot. We don't get married no more. Okay. Get married. Get married. It doesn't hurt. I'm in trouble with some of you. I can already see it. You're trying to smile at me, but inwardly you think, I wish I had some tar. I'd tar and feather that guy. Run him right out of this church on a rail. Anybody ever seen no brother where art thou? The best part of that's when they tarred and feathered that guy and took him out on a rail. That's what they used to do. You know, they put tar all over him and run him out of town on a rail. Husbands, love your wives. There, now, now, I'm going to get down and pray here in a minute. It don't say boyfriends love your girlfriends. Because there are no boyfriends and no girlfriends. Basically, what we're talking about here is an arranged marriage. You get to pick. Oh, Ethan, Easton, I wish I was your daddy. I already got a girl picked out for you. He's saying, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Noah, I wish I was your dad. You might not have Chloe right now. Oh, yeah, you would. Better help myself there. Henry, I mean, Sammy, you better watch out. Your dad, hey, can I be Sammy's guy to arrange the marriage? Harold said no. Are you going to? Oh, goodness. 
Arranged marriages. And it's interesting because there hardly is hardly no divorce in arranged marriages. And the marriage between the bride and the bridegroom of God is arranged by the Father. Listen to this. Husbands, love your wives. It doesn't say boyfriends and girlfriends. It says husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. What did Christ do for the church? He died for the church. He gave himself up as a sacrifice for the church. He died for the Roman soldier that put the nail in his hands and in his feet. He died for the Roman soldier that whipped him on his back with the cat of nine tails. Listen, he, he died for the Roman soldiers that put the crown of thorns on his head. He died for Pilate. Do you not understand? He died for the Sadducee and the Pharisee and the Sanhedrin. He died for the Gentile. He died for the Jew. He died for everyone. Who put him to death? The Jewish people? Yeah, but we did too. Because we was living in sin and iniquity. And listen, whom he fell in love with. He fell in love with an idolatrous people that was committing adultery and he died for them. Do you know, people? Jesus did declare a point. He said, if, if there's adultery, that gives you grounds for a divorce. But read on. He said, even you can work through that. You can work through any situation that comes in your life. If you love each other, who did Jesus die for? He died for those who put him on the cross. Now, ladies, pay attention here. Wouldn't you love that man if he was ready to die for you? If he was ready to die for you at all costs, then you know this what he would be. He would be a great father. Why? Because he's ready to lay down his life for any situation that takes place. It's an amazing thing. Lay down his life. Can you lay down your life for your wife? Can you lay down your life for your children? Because we'll come to a day when they're going to put that gun. They're going to make. They're going to stand. We're going to stand. If if we miss that rapture of that church, we're going to stand. And they're going to take a gun. And they're not going to put it at my forehead. They're going to put it at her forehead. And then they're going to say, you denounce Christ or we're going to shoot her. And then I'm going to say to them, you take my life instead of hers. Because will you lay down your life for your family? Jesus did. He tells the husband, he tells, he tells the father, he said, you are like me. You have to be like me. Now let's look at what Christ was like. Let's look at what he was like. He said that he might sanctify her. You know what sanctifying means? It means make her holy. Hey, fathers, you make your wife holy. You don't think your boys aren't going to see that? You, you, you sanctify your wife. You set her apart as a vessel of honor for you. You don't think that your children aren't going to see that? Fathers, listen to me. You, you sanctify your wife, set her apart, and make her holy. You don't think your daughters are going to see that? And your daughters are going to say, I want a guy like my dad. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I couldn't live up to my father-in-law. Uh-uh, there's no way I could live up to him. He, he wasn't a saved man. He got saved at the age of 83. We brought him to the Lord. But he was steady, man, and he was solid, man. And he took care of his children. He took good care of his wife, and he took good care of his children. Hey, listen, I want you to understand. You, do you think, man, if we would stand up as fathers and husbands the way that we should, that we're going to have some different children? Now, listen to me, listen to me. This, this welfare thing, man, it, it's a generational curse. This thing without dad in the house, Johnson started that years ago to put people in slavery. The Bible says that the, that the father, the husband, he would sanctify his wife, he'd cleanse her. Here it is with the washing of the water by the word. You speak the word over your family. Do you even read the word, let alone speak it over your family? Can you speak this word when you, when you run into a situation? I used to react when I'd run into a situation. No more, the word, word gives me a way out. You can't be a good father without being a good husband. It's impossible, can't do it. Can't be a good father unless you're home. 
I'm just going to say it like you. I'll probably lose some of you. I don't want to. Okay. But I'm just going to be, be, be transparent with you. Listen, the, verse 27, that he might present or show her off. Show her off. You don't have to have silver and gold to show off. And you don't have to be oper- operating in pride to show off. You, you, you cannot tell me that your children don't make you feel good when they do good things. You go to Tennessee with your daughter. Was that good? Was it fun? Did you show off? Yes, you did. You even sent me pictures. But he said, I, I want to show off. I want to show off. My wife's a pretty lady. I only fell in love with her because she's pretty. She was 16, I was 18. Okay, she was really, really, really pretty. I didn't think I was in her class at all. She lets me know I wasn't, you know. But, but I, I fell in love with my wife. I'm still in love with my wife. I'm still in love with her just as much today as I was the other day and yeah, yesterday. And yes, we go through struggles. You know that. You go through struggles. But you don't stop loving. You don't stop taking care of who you are. I, I'm, I'm a better husband today. And the reason why I'm a better husband today is because of this word. I'm not a better husband because of anything, but because of this word. The Bible says that he will wash her with the water of the word. And so he washes her and makes her clean. You can't be a good father unless you're a good husband. Verse 27, that he might show her off to himself. That was the thing that was neat. In, in verse 27, it says that he might present her to himself. And I like that. What? A glorious church, not having spot, not having wrinkle or any such thing. She, the wife, should be holy and without blemish. Have you made that? See, there's no such thing as a terrible husband. No, no, there really is. There's no such thing as a terrible husband. Either you are or you aren't. Terrible. Somebody said he's a terrible husband. No, he's lost. He's without God. Okay? But are you a good father? You can't be a terrible husband and be a good father. Can't do it. Don't make sense. Can't do it. Can't do it. You don't want to be a good father and not be a good husband. You got, they, we, don't, we don't get a hold of it, but they, they both have to work together. Now, I'm going to... Hey, you don't have to bring this up for the sake of time. Jesus has a prayer to his father. And it's not, it's not Matthew 6, 9. It is found in the 17th chapter of the book of John. Listen to this. Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and said... Father, the hours come, glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. Isn't that interesting? So, okay, I'm going to read it again. I have glorified you on, on the earth. No, that's verse 4. I want to go back to verse 1. Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hours come, he's talking about the cross, glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. Speaking about death on the cross. Now, verse 4, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished, that means made perfect, I have finished the work which you have given me to do. See, here's some things about fathers. Fathers need to help sons and daughters to finish a work. You, you want to build self-esteem in your child? Then have them finish it. Even if the birdhouse is crooked and looks terrible, just finish it. Finish it. There's something about finishing there really is. There's just something about finishing. Now, Jerry is in the last mile of his life. I am too. Linda is in the last mile of her life. I am too. We're in the last mile. The hair's gray. We got a good future to look forward to. We're in the last mile. And, and some of the others, they're just not here today. But we're, we're, we know that. We know that. And shoot. When I get down to pray, I say, when I get down to pray at that altar, the devil always tells me this one thing. He tells me, you're going to look foolish getting up. And the Lord also speaks to me, and he says, I'm going to help you. He says, I'm going to help you. And so the Lord's going to be there. So we're, we're, we're at the last mile. And, and it's harder to turn pages, isn't it? It's harder to turn pages. Jerry's saying, yeah, I can't get them apart, Jerry, can you? I, I just can't do it. You know, it's It's harder. You know, it, it's harder when you go to get your keys and you look at it and you say, well, I need to hold that key for a while because someday they're going to take it away from me. 
Yeah. They're going to do it. We're, we're in the last mile. But, but understand something. It's how we finish. You guys can finish strong. I, I know I've hurt you today in this message. But you can finish strong. You, you really can. You, I don't, and it was not my intention to hurt anybody. My intention is, is that we grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, we become, because that's what's going to change this nation. And, and the Bible says that when fathers' hearts, Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, that when the spirit of Elijah has come, and when the spirit of Elijah has come, the fathers' hearts will be turned back to their children, and children's hearts will be turned back to the fathers. Man, if you want your, if you want your land healed, I, I pray for the United States every night that our land might be healed. And I know the only way that we're going to be healed is through forgiveness. That we repent, that we repent, and not return to the Lord, but turn to the Lord. You know, repent, and, and you can repent, and, and you can say, you know what, today I'm starting this thing. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better father. I'm going to be these things. You, you can say that. And, and if we all look in, the back, in our lives, we can see terrible things in there, but we're, we're at the end. And so here's what Jerry's going to say, and Linda's going to say, and I'm going to say, and Nancy's going to say, when we come to the end of this thing, and... What, what Ronnie and, and uh, Jack, uh, give me time. See, there it is. We're in the last mile. When, 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 when we come to the end of this thing and Sue back there, when we come back here, here's what we're going to say. We have, fought a good, we have fought the good fight. We fought the good fight. We kept the faith. And we finished and we finished. That's what Paul said. Paul said, I've fought the good fight of faith. I have stayed the course, and I've finished this thing. That's all we want. We finished this thing. And we're going to be able to say that. And here's what he says, how he ends it. He says, and henceforth, there is a crown of righteousness laid up for me in that last day, that the eternal judge is going to give me, and not only me, but all of those who are looking for his appearing. Let's stand this morning. Father's Day message. He says, Father, I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work that you have given me to do. Have you finished? Can you finish well? 